is everyone tonight? Fresh, excellent. <laughs> uh, did you want to put the thing up, Pete? Not that one, the painting. So I had to do look at this one piece of art for my class. When I first saw it, I did not understand it at all. What do you think it's called? Okay. What? <laughs> it's called the Son of Man. What do you think this picture's talking about? Anyone? Pretty much that's what you get from the gist of it. It's actually a self-portrait. It's, yeah, weird, right? That's not a self-portrait. It is a good painting, yeah. I was so confused when I first saw it. It's called The Son of Man, which sounds like a Christian name, but psych, it's not. And um, I investigated a bit more with my mum and like, saw a deeper side of it. It was interesting to read about. The aim was, it was if it was just another self-portrait, you wouldn't look at it more deeply. You would only see him and think nothing more. But since the apple was there in front of his face, it makes you think more. Who was he? What does he look like behind the apple? What's the apple doing there? And like, what kind of person was he? See, sometimes, sometimes, in this case, apples are like masks. Most of us tend to put them in front of our faces and go, yep, this apple's me. Very nice, right? Whole personality right there. And that's not actually us. We put on the show thinking no one will notice we put these masks on. We hope that no one will notice because if they do, then they'll want to know more about what's behind it. And they'll want to know the real us, but we don't want them to see that because more often than not, we don't like ourselves. I know, right? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but Samuel 16:7 says, God sees the heart, not the outward appearance. Yeah. Whenever you hear a Bible verse, just click. That's the thing we picked up at the conference. Yeah. God loves you for you, and you don't have to put on a mask for God. And you can't put on a mask for God because he made you. He knows who you are. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> Let me tell you a story of David. Samuel called upon Jesse and his sons and invited them to a sacrifice because, you know, they just had sacrifices every now and then because reasons. I don't know. <laughs> And when they arrived, Samuel was going to choose the new king. Samuel saw the eldest, who was a strong and handsome man, and thought, yep, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. So he'd be like, yep, this handsome man is definitely going to be king. He's the eldest, he's rich. No, he's not, kind of. He's handsome, he's like a good leader. And, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I don't know why I'm looking at you. I'm just going to pick you. Hey. Jesse said, called upon the next son and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse had another son pass. It's not him. Jesse had seven sons. All of seven sons passed him. And Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen these. Like, Jesse would have been like, but these are my kids. You said that one of them would be king. Which one? And Samuel says, are these all the sons you have? And he said, oh, right, that's the youngest. He's tending to the sheep. 
he's like kind of scrawny. He's handsome, but he's like, you know, he's not going to be king. So he said, send him. We will not sit until he arrives. So he sent for him and then brought him. And he was glowing of health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Not as handsome as the others. He was just a decent looking dude. (laughs) And the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day, on the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Sweet, I'm going good on my time. Not good enough for God. That's what people tend to think of themselves. I'm not enough. I can't be this because I'm just a kid. Another way to look at this painting is how everyone sees us as different from God. Following from the story, David is the youngest, smallest, and probably weakest of all of his brothers. They were strong, handsome, and smart. So when Samuel asked Jesse to see all the sons, he was forgotten. You would think it was one of the others, but it wasn't. (laughs) He was the one left in the field to watch the sheep, and he was the one to become king. You might think you're just a kid, a teenager, some random person that just walked in. That's not anyone. But God can still powerfully anoint you in everything you do that's for him. Amen. Yay. And I give you Peter. Yay. So, I'll start off by reading a uh, verse from the Bible, and it is Acts 28, 3 to 6. Nice. All right. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he did, and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat, fastened itself onto his hand. Where the island, uh, when the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. <clears throat> but Paul shook off the snake uh, into the fire and suffered no ill effects. So the viper snake bit him, and he didn't get sick or die from it. So yeah. So to give some more context, Paul and 276 people were all shipwrecked on this island called Malta. Um, If you didn't know, uh, Malta is an island off the coast of Italy. And uh, yeah, Uh, Malta has like 400,000 people on it nowadays, so it's like pretty big for an island at least. And... uh, Here's a fact. Malta means refuge in the local language that was spoken there at the time. So, yeah. And that's where they found refuge from, yeah, the storm that shipwrecked them. Um, Okay. Anyways, in verse 3, it says, Paul is bitten by the viper. And this, this viper didn't just bite him and slither away. This thing latched onto him. So he actually had to make the effort of shaking it off. Like this thing didn't just, it, like, it held on to him. So yeah. Um, I would imagine this scene just like a jump scare out of a movie. 
So, you know, Paul's just casually collecting some firewood. And then, bam, out of nowhere, this snake jumps out of the wood and, like, latches onto him. So that's how I imagined it when I first read it. Or actually, when I first heard it, yeah. Um, Now, just like the viper that bit Paul, our sins can latch onto us. And we have to make the effort of shaking them off. Paul didn't just sit around and wait for the viper to inject more venom into him. He shook it off. So, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So when a sin is latched onto us, it could be greed, jealousy, pride, lust, envy, laziness, anger. Whatever it is, don't sit around and let it overwhelm you. Shake it off. So now even though Paul was able to shake the snake off, there is something that Paul simply couldn't do in his own strength, and that was suffer no ill effects from the venom. Even the people that were living on the island were sure that he was going to die. Like the snake has latched onto him and he's like, he, he was probably going to die. So this was something that was completely out of Paul's ability to do, to heal himself and have no ill effects from the venom. Just like how we can't forgive ourselves of our own sin, it's completely out of our ability to do. In 1 John 1 9, it says, But if we confess if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all wickedness. So <laughs> as it says in that scripture, it is God that forgives us and completely cleanses us of our sins. Um, because no one is perfect and we all sin. Um, it also says in Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. All right. Um, so if we have a look back at the story right before he was bitten, we see that Paul was serving. Even though he had been shipwrecked and swam all the way to shore, um, even though he, yeah, so he was probably pretty tired, um, I would imagine, after swimming all the way, after being shipwrecked. And it was also cold and raining, so, but he still got up and started collecting firewood that would keep everyone warm. Um, now, when we go through tough times in our life, are we going to lay down and give up? I'm sure Paul would have been exhausted and simply wanted to lay down and rest, but he still got up and served others around him. Now, uh, in Acts 20.35, it says, I have shown you in every way, by laboring like this, that you may support the weak, and remember the words of Jesus, that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So we have seen in this story, Paul's heart was for God. He worked miracles, healed the sick, cast out demons. He wrote 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament and traveled over 10,000 miles as a missionary. But Paul didn't just do this in his own strength. It was God who worked through Paul to accomplish these things. Now imagine what God can do with us, us in here, in this room. When we work, when we let him work through us, just as he worked through Paul. 